Blog Talk Radio.
recognize that its diaspora is central not only to its development economically but to its social and cultural development. And why I say this is because I'm not saying to say that this is a unique entity in and of itself. I'm merely suggesting that if Belize wants to move to the into this new millennium in the 21st century on good, good standing, it must find an, a way to incorporate the diaspora. It must find a way to encourage access by those Belizeans living abroad. I'm not even going to get into the fact that m many of the Belizeans living abroad, we are disenfranchised because of uh, duals, because we carry a, a U.S. passport and dual nationality, while, while other dual nationals are not under the same duress. So that's another story for another day. But, but I, I must confess that as you, when you're on the ground in Belize, you start to realize how marginalized many of the working class people, when you see people working, trying to scratch a living, and trying to do the right thing with, and that don't have the political connections, they don't have any of the economic connections that's needed, but you see these people doing whatever it takes to, to scratch out a living, to scratch out an existence. I respect that because I'm not going to comment on those people and say that, that, that they're, what they're doing is bad for the country because people like that we need. We need honest, hard-working believers who, you know what? When it comes to developing themselves, their family, and the community, they just do, what is, do what's right and forbid what's wrong, and they stand on the right path. And I respect that. Yeah. So, before I introduce Sparkle, I just also want to say that um, life in Belize, contrary to what many want you to believe, is not a situation where you either catch or kill, although that exists. It's a situation where... If you, cannot, if you cannot promote an ideology for the for Belizeans that shows a look that, that, will, that, that can grant access to each and every man, woman, and child, and you say, look, if you work hard, you do the right thing, you can achieve, you can get economic prosperity and spiritual prosperity, because those two go hand in hand. It's one thing to have economic prosperity, but no spirituality. And I think in many regards, this country is lacking in Spirituality, this anything goes mentality is, is very serious because we, you, you must have a foundation of morality as you expect your country to develop into a, a respectable nation amongst the other, and it takes its place in, in amongst nations. So I think that we really need to focus on how we can develop not only a spiritual and mental morality, but we must develop a morality that, that, that's fair and not only fair, but to, to make everyone know that, look, that they appreciate it and that, that we want your the development and your help. So I think I have my friend Paco on the line, uh, live from Belize City. Me and Paco will have a conversation on some of the issues that we're talking about. How are you doing, my brother? Uh, yes, yes. Good afternoon, Hubert. Uh, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to appear on your show. Well, you know, I know you, you had just came back from the, uh, the rainforest for two <laughs> weeks in that, you know, in that, that very uh, real-life experience that you had with Christopher Nisbet and others, you know. Um, tell me a little bit about, just give, give us a brief synopsis about what your experience was living deep in the Colombia rainforest in, in Punta Gorda. Absolutely, man. Uh, well, to, to be honest with you, it was a great experience. I, I'm an avowed city dweller. I'm not a country boy. And I experienced a lot of enlightening things with regards to belief, its natural wonders, the potential for our development, uh, the potential for our agriculture to be developed sustainably. That is in regards to uh, permaculture designs and things of that nature. It was a very, very instructive experience. It was actually a two-week course held at the Maya Mountain Research Farm in San Pedro, Colombia, down in the Toledo District. And my brother, I'll tell you what, um, Belizeans, not only abroad, but also Belizeans who happen to reside here in the country, but not in that area, would be taken aback with the, the, the beauty that, that is abundant in Belize. It's really, really something that you can hardly put into words, but definitely something that I believe that all Belizeans in any walk of life, irrespective if you're here or across the seas, that you should experience it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, well, hopefully I get a chance to do it at some point next week 
Um, you know, I, I don't really have the details yet, but I spoke to my buddy, well, well Wilma here, he was on the sea yesterday, and, you know, he you know, he called me, he was on a boat, you know, so he called me, he said he was watching some dolphins down in the, we have a mastic down there, so I'm really excited, I can't wait to get an opportunity to go, you know, to patrol the border and see exactly what's happening down there in the, in the, in the rainforest, but, um, Let's, you know, I'm glad that you gave us an opportunity to hear what, uh, just a briefly, you know, what it was like to be in the Belizean Forest. And I want to encourage any Belizean that, that comes, or not, like you said, not only ones that live at home, but those that live abroad. If you have an opportunity to go down south into the, into the rainforest, you'll be amazed. You'd be amazed to see the beauty of this country like you've never seen it before and see the beauty of a rainforest. So... Uh, I mean, I know Parker had a very enlightening experience, and I'm happy that I will get an opportunity to, to do that very shortly. But let's get back to, uh, to some matters at hand. Recently, uh, one of the things that, I, that hit me when I just got here was the bishop, the Catholic bishop issuing a communique, or a letter, if you will, where he was, in, in essence, administering to his flock, you know, the Catholic, Catholic faithful, about what he thinks the direction of the church in the world. Not out of denomination, but his church, his flock what he believed that, you know, that that direction should go and where it should head. And I think that he came out of some scathing criticism from those who disagree. So my position was, look, um, he's not, if, if obviously his message is not meant for everyone, if he decides that he wants to uh, issue a, a guidance or admonition to his, to his flock, which includes uh, many of the schools, and, and churches around this country, then that's his right to do so. If you disagree with him, that's fine, but that doesn't make him an evil, conniving man because he, he wants... That's just my take on it. What is your... What, what, what's your what, what do you, how would you respond to that? Well, absolutely, Hubert. I'm glad you brought this in, brought up this topic. It's something that's somewhat of a hotbed topic here in Belize. I'll have to admit that I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that from time to time, individuals and or groups have a tendency to want to uh, impose certain views on others. Now, in regards to the context in which the, the bishop issued this internal memo, I see absolutely no problem with it because, as you said, he was administering to his flock. He was extolling to his flock. He was basically, as the head of the Catholic Church in Belize, putting on I guess, record what the church's position is with regard to certain elements. Now, my understanding is that he did not say that this is for everyone. He did not say that all Belizeans should adhere to this. He was basically sending a memo to individuals that are either employed with the Catholic Church or who subscribe to the Catholic faith. And within, within my view, there's nothing wrong with that because we live in a society where everyone is entitled to their view. And I might add that those who are of the Catholic faith, of which I am not, have reserved the right also to either agree or disagree. But to vilify the bishop for coming out and expressing what he did with regards to the church's position on certain issues in an internal memo, my goodness, man, I think that is just taking it a bit too far to, to really, really be critical of him for that. Because in essence, he is fulfilling his role as the head of the Catholic Church here in Belize. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, one, I, one of the things that I, that I found very profound was the fact that people were suggesting on the blogs that, um, that because of his, you know, his, this memo that he issued, uh, essentially he was suggesting that, uh, that, that they don't want, that, 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 well, they were saying that he was endangering HIV education and, HIV and, 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 the, and the access to, to, to treatment of HIV education by, by the schools because, you know, we have one of the highest rates of uh, HIV in this country. And so, so people are suggesting that, that in essence, um, that this communique or this memo was in fact uh, jeopardizing. Do you, do you share that point of view? Well, what's your take on that? Uh, no, I, I don't share that point of view because we all have five senses. We all have the capacity, or most of us do, have the capacity and the willingness to analyze information, process it for ourselves, and lend to it any moral or other types of criteria that we use to assess situations. So, I mean, my thing is this. He did what he did 
within the context, I see no problem with it. Now, someone out there may have issue with the rationale that he utilized for it, and if they have issue with that, then that's another situation altogether. Again, there's a lot of elements involved in the whole um, discussion of HIV, AIDS, um, family planning, and what have you. But I think that um, the back and forth this morning on some of the blogs, I think that Pastor Scott Sturm put up the issue most succinctly with regards to the internal memo that went out and the criticism that was levied by certain groups against the bishop. And he basically said that the, what's the matter with Catholic Church simply telling whomsoever it may be, uh, whether it be SAID or what have you, that, you know what, appreciate your assistance, but the assistance that you're giving, we reserve the right to say thanks with no thanks. And I think that's pretty straightforward. Now, again, maybe someone has a, an issue with the rationale that's utilized by Catholic Church. And again, they reserve that right. But to vilify for basically sharing the church's view with his flock in an internal memo, you know, that's just taking a bit too far. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we have to develop a nuance understanding of, you know, these issues in, in terms of, you know, because I think what happened is oftentimes if you criticize you know, the, the church, or, well, I don't want to, well, specifically the, the Catholic church, people might get the view that you're being adversarial or get the view that you're being, um, you, you know, you're taking, a, well, I believe that, and oftentimes we take absolute position that sometimes there's no basis for it. And, and, I, and I know that there are a lot of groups who are, who, in, who, who are in Belize who say that they're inclusive, but at the same time, they're not being inclusive because by the very nature of those groups, by the very nature of how those groups operate, it, it, it precludes inclusiveness. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand why, why the criticism against the Catholic Church when they, they're arguing that the church is not inclusive, uh, not inclusive while they're saying they are, when in essence, if you're really examining it, they're really not inclusive per se. So I think we really need to have a nuanced understanding of what the nature of what the church is about and what the church needs to do. But I do... I do want to ask you, in terms of uh, spirituality, do you think that Belize, you know, Belize in particular, but the nation in general, do you think that we have lost our spiritual, or spirituality in terms of, and I'm not saying just go to church and pray, I'm saying just that spirituality that you need, the vibrancy that the society needs to exist as a nation. Do you believe that we have gone astray in that, in that regard? You know, with regards to spirituality, I think that, Fortunately, um, in comparison to years gone by, I believe, yes, we, we are on a path of losing our way. But I also believe that by virtue of individuals such as Bishop Wright uh, doing what he does or doing what he did, which is a part and parcel of what he does as the head of the Catholic Church in this country, it's demonstrative of the fact that we are completely gone. You know, one of the things that I, I like to say is, is that we all deserve the right to have our own opinion. And as you very, very succinctly pointed out, Hubert, that there are certain groups or interests out there that like to levy, uh, how can I say this? They like to levy claims that, oh, well, you're not being inclusive, you're not being this, you're not being that, and you're, you're shutting people out. But I think that, as an office, they need to look in the mirror. Because when you try to stop the Catholic Catholicship from administering to his flock, or you try to vilify him for doing what he's there to do, then it causes one to question, are you being as inclusive and or open-minded as you're expecting us to be? Again, it ties into this particular situation in as much that, as far as I understand it, the bishop was not saying that this is for all Belizeans and all Belizeans must adhere to what he says and does. He was a call to his flock an internal memo with regard to the church's position on salient issues. Uh, with regard to spirituality, again, that's a personal choice. But I will say that um, our society is, is slipping somewhat. And I think that that's always a challenge that we find whenever you live in a plural society. I, on a personal level, and I speak for myself in this, in this regard, 
And I will say that my view is that a society without a fundamental understanding of right from is, is inevitably doomed to anarchy and chaos. And for what it's worth, I think that societies need to have a, a ground floor, at least, the lack of a better word, with regards to discerning right from wrong. I will always draw upon uh, the situation in the United States. You see, in the States, they have a lot of school shootings that take place. Mm-hmm. Columbine, and the next one up in, in the northeast of the country that took place a couple of years ago. And I always reflect on those things, and I know a lot of people probably won't agree with me, and that's all right, because we all deserve the right. I just ask that you don't justify me for having my opinion. And I will say this. I think that one, although it's a complex issue, why you have all these school shootings and whatnot, I would feel very, very safe in saying that one of the contributing factors to why so many children in the United States have embarked upon situations such as Columbine and the others is because from early on, they're suffering from a lack of being able to, I should say, being made to discern right from wrong and knowing that there are consequences for your actions. I think that a lot of children abroad are disattached or disassociated from the reality that certain things come with consequences. And in effect, they just go and act out and they do. That's just my opinion, but again, if, we, if you just pose that on to believe, I would hate to see the day when we reach the point that a child embarks on a shooting spree in the school, and trust me, it's not one of the things that I would like to see happen in Belize, or no one would like to see happen in Belize. Again, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I that's one of the contributing factors as to why we see things progressing in that fashion in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, I've heard this criticism before, but in terms of Belize and peripheral underdeveloped economies such as you know, Belize and these kind of nations that, that are in a, that have economies that are, that are in a perpetual state of disrepair, do you believe that we need to filter not everything that comes from up north, not everything that comes from these developed countries is something that we should adhere to hook, line, and sinker. Do you believe that we need more at a local flavor, if you will, a local, for example, I'll give you a case in point. With the, uh, you, let, let's say you, 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 you build these huge monuments, these pharaonic monuments, without, that to me doesn't, like when they built the Belize Bank, not the Belize Bank, the uh, Central Bank thing, to me that was a huge, I don't remember how much money it was, but the point I'm making is that do we, how can we add a local flavor? Perhaps it's not a good example, but the point I'm making is in terms of public policy for us, how can we add a local flavor to, to good ideas that come from up north, but we don't want to just adopt it to planet into and let it be to a point where, where that, even though the model is right for the United States or for the for, for European Union, it needs to be tweaked to make it unique to believe itself. How do we apply that? Because I don't see that happening. We tend to just adopt everything hook, line, and sinker without, without filtering out, filtering it out so we can have the right mix, the right blend, if you will, to make it applicable to our experience. Okay, if I understand your, correct, um, your question correctly, I would respond in this fashion. I believe that in order to embark upon a path like you've described, what is needed in Belize, it first begins with cognizance. It begins with an awareness, but also it also ties into having not only that cognizance amongst individuals, but to also somehow have it institutionalized. And therein tie, it ties into the leadership or lack thereof that we've had in this country for many years. I believe that what Belize needs is revolutionary leaders who are not willing to just take hook, line, and sinker everything that is just stored upon them and is willing to show that they have a spine, to show that they have a backbone, and to stand up to the power that be and say, look, you know what? We appreciate what you're, the assistance that you're, you're providing. We will take it into consideration and we're going to Belizeanize it as, as best as possible. 
Again, it's easier said than done because we know that there's a lot of international pressures out there and whatnot, but it all starts with the leadership. When you have a bunch of yes men and women that are just willing to pass the book and just go with the, go with the flow and the status quo, this is what you get. This is where we find ourselves in Belize right now. Anything that is shown to us, we basically take it for the most part. Right? So I, I would say that it ties into the leadership. Leadership, of course, begins with uh, an awareness, a cognizance, and then you have to promulgate that amongst um, those individuals who are either attuned or not, uh, followers of whether it be a political ideology, followers of, of other movements, what have you. It all begins with the leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unquestionably. I also want to mention before we move on to the next, that I'm, going to, I'm only going to be doing an hour for this particular underground experience that we're doing here in Belize. And um, so typically the show is two hours, but today we're just going to do an hour. But um, one of the things that I also want to mention to the people is that um, this show will continue, and we will continue to report and give, us, give you, give you an, an, an underground feel of what's happening here in this country because I, too often I hear the criticism to me, hey, Hubert Pipersburg, you just sit in front of your computer at your house and, in, your, in your cushy, cushy uh, uh, lifestyle and you just throw bombs and criticize and you don't, you don't have a, a, a feel for what's going on on the ground. You don't have access to, you know, you can't talk to people, you can't read newspapers because I won't give you the thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm, getting, I'm tired of that criticism. So I say to myself, you know what, I'm going to put boots on the ground and come down and see for myself so that those, and that was what I did when, when I went down south the last time I was here to look at, remember when Wendy Park at Halakte and the whole, the whole Colombian forest, they were me saw firsthand what was going on in, the, in, in that adjacency zone. So, so no one can tell me about my experience or what I saw and what I experienced. So that's one of the reasons why I'm going to try to do this as much as I can as time permits, as you know, the situation permits from the United States. But uh, again, you're listening to Hubert Piper's Bird. I'm live from Belize. I'm talking to Parker Smith, and we're discussing our uh, we're discussing Belize in general, the, the body politics, and some of the things that we we you know, in our opinion, that we see seems to be to be ailing our country. Now, one of the things, Parker, that I know you are you're a big advocate of is that you believe that these two parties, both the People's United Party and United Democratic Party operates in the shadows of each other. In essence, they are supple- you know, like in geometry the thing called supplementary. There are two things called supplementary and complementary arguments. They are supplement and complement of each other. They can- one cannot exist without the other. They, you know, they, 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 as you described as a symbiotic relationship. Do you want to explain or this why inclusion? Okay, yes, absolutely, man. And I think that's a, a very good segue because I wanted to comment on the criticism that you've come under by certain elements within Belizean society. And I'll tie it in in this fashion. When people are criticizing you with regards to saying, oh, you live abroad, you live a cushy lifestyle, this and that, you don't know what happens on the ground here in Belize. First thing I will say is look at from whence the criticism, criticism comes. And more often than not, it's coming from party hacks on both sides of the political non-divide here in Belize. When I say party hacks, I mean those individuals who are benefiting from this this dysfunctional system, right? Mm So that within itself should sum that up for you. I know you personally. I know that you put your money where your mouth is. You have come down to Belize on more than one occasion, and I'm glad to see that you are a shining example of Belizeans in the diaspora because a lot of people get a, have a tendency to think that, oh, Belizeans, they're crossed and they forget about people at home and whatnot, and that's not necessarily the case. Of course, there may be some like that, but I don't think that's the majority. So on a personal level, brother, I'd like to say that I appreciate you for who you are and what you do. Now, with regards to the, the issue of the PUDP, yes, this is one of my favorite topics. And because it's one of my favorite topics, I've come under fire from elements in both camps. I understand that there's this fellow on those politically affiliated radio stations who like to call the name the morning. I wouldn't know if it's true or not because I don't listen to those stations. I don't have time to waste because when you personally, when I when I used to listen to them, all I heard was one side extolling everything that the government does 
become the beneficiaries, and the other side just decrying the government because they're the opposite. And for me, those type of radio stations will have pure substance, right? Because I can guarantee you, if government change and the UP becomes the government of the next administration, and the UP goes to the the same individuals that you hear on the respective um, radio stations will just do their little do-si-do, and they'll exchange sides. They'll exchange sides in as much that those who are complaining on the PUP radio station will then go into the mode of extolling everything that their government does. And those who right now are extolling everything that the EP administration does, they're going to go into the mode of criticizing everything that the PUP does. Now, a lot of people will say that, well, Papa, you know, you, you spin your wheels, but you know you go nowhere. But I like to disagree. Because I'll tell you what, as far as I am concerned, neither of these two political parties have the moral suasion to come to the people of Belize and talk about corruption. Both of them are corrupt, and I'll put it on the block to see it. Now, with regards to the relationship, yes, I agree with what you said. They share a symbiotic relationship. Now, you'll hear people from one side of the aisle and from the other side of the aisle vehemently disavow that. You know why? Because therein lies their strength. They will never come out and say that they share a symbiotic relationship because the modus operandi of both political parties, although they go about doing things uh, slightly different, and I would say the degrees of separation are, are very small, mm-hmm. the bottom line is that the underlying trust or the underlying factor for these two political, um, these two political parties is to maintain the status quo. And when I say maintain the status quo, I mean that it is to keep the Belizeans complacent and adherent to them and the parameters that they set. Because within each of the party structures, there are the elites, there are those who get the lion's share, and then there are the cronies and the political hacks that also get, well, what is left, no? But the bottom line is this. Both sides of the political non-divide realize that if the Belizean people ever reject the two of them at the polls, as we should, that that will spell a revolution in Belize's political economy. The reason being is that they have become accustomed to, well, you know what? If I know in this five years, now your turn, boy, right? And we see this on a daily basis with regards to these lawyer politicians, right? I'm going to touch on this a little bit because, and I'm not denying all attorneys. There are some good attorneys out there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But what I have seen with regards to Belize's political history of attorneys who have been involved with politics is that a majority of them have been purveyors of the status quo, have been purveyors of the system, and in so saying, basically, it means that they have operated within an environment, a legal environment, because they have the legal acumen and the legal knowledge to know just how far they can go within the parameters of the law so that no legal action can be taken against them. And I will, I will use two examples to explain what I mean. Do you recall the situation from the last administration, last PUP administration, involving the Venezuela funds? Indeed. Now, I can recall distinctly former Prime Minister Said Musa saying, unmistakably, that he did nothing criminally negligent with regards to those funds. Do you remember that? I, yes, I do. And you know what? He's an astute lawyer, and he was absolutely right. Indeed, Under he the was law. right. Under the law, he did absolutely nothing criminally negligent. Now, if we talk about the moral aspect of it, that's a different story. I'll give you a current example from this administration. We need look any further than the Penner situation, right? Now, I can recall when this thing with Penner first broke, the Prime Minister seemingly sought to circle the wagons around his compatriot his party member, 
his cabinet member and try to sort of um, garner support. I believe the Prime Minister is, is on video in the Cayo North East constituency saying about how many millions of dollars they have to spend within that constituency. Now the context who was saying it involved the whole situation of a potential recall of center. Do you, do you remember that? And clearly. Mm-hmm. Now we've recently had a situation where I must publicly applaud the Chief Justice for making a sound and just decision by having a writ of mandamus against the Commissioner of Police with regards to the whole non-investigation of former Minister Penner. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Paco, if you peed that one way, they put the thing through. And yes, you've got to give the devil its due. The PUP did do it. But I won't give them any further credit than that because I know that that is their role as the opposition within the system of governance. If they did yes. not do it, then I would have a real problem. Right? Now, what I'm telling you this, though, is that in relation to what they did, for anyone who has eyes to see, and anyone who has any basic knowledge of how politics runs and believes, they did not do what they did for purely altruistic reasons. The bottom line is that when, in the Westminster model of governance, and you're in opposition, your ultimate goal is to become the government of the day. Now, in regards to the processes that they went through, yes, they did it. But the underlying factor is that, inevitably, what was done, they're going to use in their favor when they go back to the public, and they're going to try to use it as a means by which to differentiate themselves from the current administration. And anyone who doesn't want to admit that, I'll say that you're living in your own world and you're being delusional, because that is how politics is in the news. Mm-hmm. So, so the bottom line is this. The PUP and the UDP, or as I like to call them, the PDP, they share a symbiotic relationship, one that they will never publicly acknowledge. But the fact remains that the bottom line involving these political parties is that their goal is to maintain the status quo whereby they have access to the power structures in our society. I yearn for the day when Belizeans will stop with the insanity and go with what that with which they are not accustomed to. Because, trust me, if we were to do a poll of Belizeans, regular Belizeans, throughout the length and breadth of this country, if they were, if they were being honest, if they could do it in anonymity, I'm sure they'd be honest, and they would tell you that they're dissatisfied with both of these political parties. You see, it's one of those intuitive things, because you know how they say, um, Hubert, who feels it knows it? Yeah, the Belizean, the Belizean people, the yeah, people, they feel it, and they know it, but they're afraid. And that's why I always tip my hat to our brother Will Mejia, because he's not afraid to speak out. He's been on the front lines for quite some time, always extolling the, the virtues of providing an option to this two-party system. And He's a righteous brother, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll also say this. You know, a lot of times when people have the discussion concerning political parties, and things, they like to use this term third party, and it just irks me, and I'll tell you why. It irks me because from a fundamental standpoint, if you're talking about alternatives to the status quo or what we have right now, when you verse that alternative in the framework of that being a third party, it's giving undue credence to the two existing ones, as though, well, that is the standard, and, well, you know, make we try something different. Yes, make we try something different, but I would never, ever con- consider conceiving PUP or UDP as a standard. So whenever I talk about alternatives, that's how I speak of it. Never, ever, ever in terms of a third party. Because, in essence, at least, and again, this is only my view. If you're talking about a third party, that alone will not differentiate it from the existing two. What Belize needs is a revolutionary alternative to what we have right now. Some people may say it's just semantics, but words carry a lot of influence 
and the amount of improvement that you put on it is very, very critical. But getting back to the TUDP, no doubt, um, you've come, under, you've come under, under attack from, from both sides of the equation, as have I, as has Will Mejia and other individuals, uh, Charles Leslie Jr. and others that just come to mind. And I'll tell you something, I wear that as a badge of honor because if the TUP and the UDP mix with me, it means that I'm doing something like, at least in principle, for this nation people of belief. Because when you look at it, when you look at it on the, on, in terms of a continuum, basically, and again, it's an old Belizean adage, we the exchange black flag for monkey every time. Yeah, it's like you said one time, um, um, it's, just, it's like insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But here's what irks me with the penance thing. And, mm-hmm. I, and this, I'm incensed about this, brother, because to me, here's a man who commits forgery and fraud. I mean, blatantly. There's no, there's no getting around it, Paco. Blatant forgery and fraud. How can you forge documents for somebody you don't even know? that you sworn to know, that you profess to know, and the man is in jail, and you have forged forge his signature and forged everything. That's like fraud. That's fraud of the highest order. And then you have the audacity, the temerity, to be walking around in my community, in my society, as if though you did nothing wrong. Probably you ought to be hot with. That really, I'm incensed, because here's a dual national, and this really pissed me off. Here's a dual national, Canadian birthright, he had, you know, no one questioned his allegiance, no one questioned where he came from, but he still, he was the most corrupt individual to forge and commit fraud in the name of the Belizean birthright, and we try to, and we, and we have these, these insane asinine laws that's protecting him. That's what really upsets me, Parker, because I think that somebody like Penner ought to be, his, his citizenship ought to be revoked and run out of the country, never to be seen again. Because I, letting the jail is good enough for somebody like that. And I don't care who is telling me that I'm being uh, obscene about it or I'm being emotional. Yes, I'm emotional when it comes to, to the burden of my country. And it has nothing to do with PUP. It has nothing to do with PUP. Penner ought to be ran out of this country because what he did is blatantly and openly corrupt and it's wrong. And he, and he, did, and he, and he did not do it with, without as much a bio leave. How can you forge the signature, forge documents, and, and, and vouch for a man in jail for the solely believe birthright in the name of economic citizenship. And then, not to mention, Paco, the man that he's selling the birthright with will have more rights than me, a natural born Belizean. That's why I'm incensed. So anyone out there, and, I, and, it, and this goes to whoever it is, UP, UDP, I'm not incensed because I'm on your side or I'm against you. I'm incensed for what? The principle behind the whole thing. And you ought to be, there ought to be more outrage in this country when it comes to that thing. And drop your, 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 your red or blue at the, uh, at the door, drop your, your party colors and look at it for what it is. This is, a, this is a question of national economic security. We're not talking about no red or blue here. We're talking about what's right from what's wrong. And I will forever stand on our work proclaim and forbid what's right, uh, forbid what's wrong, and stand for what's right. And what Penna did is outrightly not only wrong, but it's blatantly corrupt, and it's blatantly misdeeded, conduct on the coming that we should not tolerate from any, I don't care who it is, any, any public officer that's sworn to protect and serve this nation. And that's my take on the Penna thing, Parker, because I think this, this, this man continues to walk around, hiding behind these laws that protects him, while, you know, while, while, while people, while the party hacks, if you will, give excuse for, for why, for what he did, and they, they bring up something, but, oh, they lost 200 passports. Well, if, that, if they lost 200 passports, why didn't they use the same mechanism that the PUP used? You know, get, get your mandamus and you do the same thing, you know? But they didn't do that. They, 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 they chose not to go that route that the PUP went. So I applaud the PUP for doing it, like you said. Not because of any authority reading, but for what for us as the loyal opposition, they had a they had a, a constitutional right to do that. But it's still for me, for me, if, if Penner does not, if Penner, I swear, Paul, and I'm telling you right now, if something is not done to the Penners of Belize, this country is in a world of hurt, and I have no respect for any of these parties, and they would they would lose any kind of moral authority to govern as far as I'm concerned. If this Penner issue can continue to fester and nothing comes of it. If it's just swept under the rock. Well, brother, you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Parker, go ahead. Well, brother, you've said a mouthful, and I must admit that I agree with about 99.9% of what you said. Um, where do I start? The issue with Penner. 
I'm not certain if Fenner is is a naturalized Belizean. I, I think he was born in Belize. But even still yet, if he was, that's even more reason to be disgusted. Because that means that this man has has no regard for his birthright. And I think that if that is the case, he should be put beneath the jail. Even beyond that, when you talk about the law, the hide behind, you hit the nail on the head, man, because basically it's, it's, it's indicative of what I was talking about, how political parties circle the wagons in order to maintain the status quo. Now, I said it a little while back in terms of the, the leadership or lack thereof in this country. And if you really reflect back on when this whole thing broke, yes, the UDP has a, a relatively thin majority in the House of Representatives. But if you look at the principle of the matter, if the leadership of, of this country, of that particular cabinet, were sincere with regards to wanting to do what is right by and for the people of this nation, what the Prime Minister should have done was said, you know, you've, um, you've admitted that you signed a documentation for this man. That is wrong. It's blatantly wrong. And as a result, if the people of the Kyle Northeast consistency want to recall you, so be it. Because I will not countenance or tolerate any level of misconduct or, or um, un- misgiving in my administration. And if they do recall you, I will find a better and more honorable individual to replace you in a by-election. That's all he had to do, right? Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is this. These politicians across the aisle, their motivation, based on what I've seen, is to maintain Stone their hold on power. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. He would have taken an individual of distinct distinct character to do something of that nature. Someone may look at it and say, oh, that's political suicide. But maybe that's what we need, our leaders who are willing to commit political suicide. Stand on principle. Exactly. Because until I see someone arising from either either of these two political parties who's willing to take a stance, a principled stance such as that, they're all half a dozen of one and six of the other for me. And that is why I say in terms of Belize's body politic, if we want substantive change, we cannot look for that change to come from within the PUP nor the UDP, because it just will not happen. I had this discussion yesterday at an auto, auto parts place, uh, getting something done to my vehicle, and a fellow I've known for many years said, Papa, he said, man, why don't you just try and join one of them and try change from within? And I explained to him, Brother, if that could have been done, it would have been done a long time ago. And the reason being is that these political parties are institutionalized. I don't care who heads them, unless the individual is of impeccable character, right? Impeccable mm-hmm. character. And willing to put his and or her political um, lifeline on the line to do what is right, nothing will change in these parties. And I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I will go on record to say this, right? And this is a bit, uh, you might even say this is a bit um, <laughs> out there. But the PUP has a, a gentleman that recently won, he recently won a, uh, I, I guess what it's called, a convention in Belfast, Dr. Jason Andrews, right? Okay, I'm familiar with the gentleman, yes. Yes. Uh, by all accounts, gentleman strikes me as being an upright individual, right? Yes, indeed. He says, he yes. says the right things. He seems, he seems to have a moral ground find appealing, right? Yes. But I will go on record to say that his outspokenness that he has right now, once he gets deeper into the, the bowels of the belly of the beast, Right? I would I would wager that he will not remain as outspoken on certain issues. And if he does, the internal structures will eventually castigate him. So either he will 
addiction and be castigated or ostracized, or he might just get enough of it and, and leave the whole prey. That is just my take on it. I'm not a sayer. I can't see the future. But based on what I know about these political parties, if you feel you're going to go in either of these political parties and make revolutionary changes to bring morality into these two political parties, or what have you, you're looking to block the status quo. And trust me, it's going to be a rough ride. That's why when I had the discussion with the gentleman yesterday at the auto shop, I told him, I said, you know what? It doesn't make any sense for me to want to even try to join either of these two political parties because I know inevitably that, <clears throat> number one, I know I'll keep my mouth shut, right? If I'm involved in this thing and I see what I'm doing, I will speak. And that won't be tolerated. I mean, it's, it's part and part, in essence, of our system of governance. Look at this, this whole craziness under the Westminster model where cabinet, um, cabinet makes collective decisions and they have this code of secrecy. Yeah, they have to protect each other. Mm -hmm. That's a betrayal to the people of this nation. As a member of Canada, I should be able to go in there with the best interest of the the constituency that I represent and make decisions based on what I know is right. And within the structure of Westminster model, the leader of the government, in effect, the party or the prime minister, is the most powerful and influential individual in the Canada. Almost like a demagogue status, if you ask me. Precisely. So basically, what the PM says goes. And that's the bottom line. And that, uh, as a student of governance, it causes me to question just how democratic our system truly is when you get into those inner layers or those inner... Well, let me, let me give you an example, Paco. Let me give you an example of, you know, this is the part, another part that really you know, chips my eye. Okay, the ministerial discussion. Okay. Not only can the ministerial discussion, the, the, the Constitution is supposed to be the highest law of the land. It's the box style. Yet and still, the, with ministerial discussion, the minister can override not only the legislature that makes statutory laws, but the Constitution itself, the supreme law of the land. That's how asinine and insane this system is. How can an elected official, in what universe can an elected official override? It's like you know, override the supreme law of the land in a constitutional democracy. Mm-hmm. In what universe? Because that's like saying the president of the United States or any of the senators in the House of Representatives or in the Congress, senators or House of Representatives, the Congress in general, have the authority to override the Bill of Rights. You really, <laughs> that's how it's, I'm just giving you an example because that's how this undemocratic culture that we cultivate in these and when you say that, you know, you, I, I agree with your point when you're talking about the insanity thing where we continue to chase our tails, hoping for the best. But, Parker, we only have like so many minutes left because, like I said, it's only an hour. Can you wrap it, brother, so we can, you know, okay. give the people a sense of, you know, where we are right now in, in, in your estimation? Okay. Well, very quickly, I'd just like to say that, yes, I agree with you. I believe that ministerial discretion has been one of the worst being on religious society. It's just straightforward. And to tell you how insidious it is, you will have individuals from both sides of the political non-divide try and argue with you that there's nothing wrong. And that therein shows how, I don't know, just how discombobulated these people are in terms of maintaining the quo. In relation to Belize in general, man, when I look at Belize, I always look at it as, as the proverbial half half full glass. I always want to try and see how I can fill the glass to its fullest extent. Uh, we're a relatively young nation, but that's no excuse. We've been around we for excuses. Exactly. We've been around for approximately 32 years now, and it's time for us to take the bull by the horns. My parting shot is this. Belizeans and true friends of Belize, if you are serious about change in this nation, the time is now to step up. Because you cannot, and I repeat, you cannot expect those who are benefiting from this dysfunctional system, the party hacks and the party elites, to issue in any type of substantive change in our system of governance. They just won't do it, and we have to face the facts. So as opposed to sitting back and complaining all the time, time is now to take the steps. My dream is that for the next general election, some way, somehow, by some configuration, 
Okay, we have like we have we have thirty seconds. Okay. So let me uh, let me let me let me take it from there. Okay. Anyway, you, uh, you were listening to Parker Smith, we're both live in Belize City, and we will continue this for the tradition of my day. We will continue to broadcast live from underground and give you an up-to-date vision of what versus our version of what we what how we understand about the politics and belief. I don't need to cut you short, my brother, but time is up. And you, you do a show, so you, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, I want I want everyone to know that in the diaspora and in the in, in the model and yes, I'm on the ground and I just spoke with Parker Smith, who you know, who just gave you his version of what his understanding of about the politics and we will continue to do this. If I get from the rainforest I will, I don't know if I can but Thank you very much, everybody. Have a happy Saturday. Do the right thing.